can uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, we will get there. But before we get into the message today, I did want to go ahead and do just a couple of, um, I guess, business things. Um, one of them is, many of you may or may not know, uh, Selena and I for the last year have done a uh, morning Facebook show, program, whatever you want to call it, uh, called Coffee with Brad and Selena. Anybody been watching that? Anybody been chiming in every now and then and seeing? I saw some of you. Uh, but at 7.30, we try to do 7.30 Monday through Thursday. Uh, if you'd like to join us, that'd be great. That's not the reason why I was talking about this. But um, the Lord has put something on my heart for well over a year. And we kind of started the conversation on Thursday. And so as our church family, I'm always like this. I don't want to ask just people even outside of our church family, if I'm not asking you to for stuff. So I want y'all to be involved. Uh, but really been seeking the Lord um, on how do we help, minister, instruct. I, I don't know if I know what the right phrasing would be. This is truly a search. And every now and then I've learned I ask people in my world uh, over times to help me formulate thoughts out uh, and stuff. And this is one. But uh, how many of you ever noticed uh, lately in our current culture that there is a lack of ambition in our young men especially? Has anybody seen that besides me? Anybody seen and noticed that there is truly a lack of spark, drive? I mean, I don't know what else to call it. I, I mean, you know, my, the, the old man in me... <laughs> He gets stronger every year, right? The old guy, though, gets in me. You know, I don't want to call it laziness because I'm not necessarily sure it's 100% laziness. But that kind of sometimes comes to mind. Uh, but I really like a lack of ambition, a lack of drive, a lack of spark. Again, a spe and I think it's a, not just in our young men. I think it might go across younger generations to a degree. But I, I just notice it a lot in young men. So I would love to have you guys speak into that, please. So kind of what we said on Thursday is I'm kind of starting to gather information from people. So I guess if you think of it like a list, like, like a pro and a con or a positive and a negative kind of column uh, and stuff going on uh, is... If you've seen anything negative, can you just send me via text or you can come talk to me in one of our gatherings and say, you know what, I've seen the negative side of this kind of stuff and maybe here's some causations or here's some things that might have triggered that to happen. Does that make sense? And then on the other side is the positives because there are also great young people out there who are doing awesome. So I don't want to also... For, for our young people that are here, I'm thinking, oh, here comes, there's another old guy painting all us young people <laughs> with some brush, you know what I mean, and stuff. Because I know on the other side of the equation, there's a lot of young people who are doing awesome, right? So if you know those young people, I would love to hear, especially on that side, what have you seen that might be, again, causations, things. I'm kind of gathering, I'm, I'm doing some private meditation and study from the Bible, um, because how many of you know that ambition is okay? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that ambition, the, the only warning we have about ambition from the Bible is selfish ambition. Scripture teaches against having selfish ambition, mm -hmm. but it does not teach against ambition itself. 
Does that make sense? And so we're going to study some of this out. I, I'm not 100% sure what the Lord would have us do with it, uh, but it's just something that's been on my heart. So I wanted to uh, publicly ask you guys as well. Now, Kurt, you raised your hand. Were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I had a quote that really stood out for me. It said, strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create uh, hard times. Hard times. Wow. So can you text that to me? That is awesome. Can you send that in a text to me? Um, strong men create easy times. times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard, hard time. I love that. So I feel like kind of in our nation, we kind of hmm. towards that because I feel like the stories I've heard, you know, the people growing up, they had, they had hard times and they had to be strong. And that's why the nation grew strong. Yeah. And, uh, that's very good. That's good. Now, Amen. Uh, so that, so if you don't make them have tough times, they don't have the ambition to go. go that's good. Them, you know? That's awesome. No, it's very well. Good to speak on that, just because we do have a, a lot of young families here, and you know, people. Uh, and and I don't want this to be the message today, unless it turns out to be. But is because uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to finish something else. But uh, is um, is you know, don't provide everything for your young people. With, and, and young people don't throw rocks at me, all right? Um, you know, but parents, adults, don't provide everything, right? Again, just a, just a window into the Holloman family, just you know how we do it. I've told my kids, right, as long as I'm alive, right, you'll have a place to stay if you need to stay somewhere. Right, is that right, guys? Right, you'll have good, healthy, wholesome, basic food, right? And you'll have some basic clothes if you need clothes, Everything else is on you. <laughs> Does that make sense? And that way I can actually give you a gift and it be a gift and appreciated. I can actually bless you and you don't have a sense of entitlement, right? But there are certain things, I'll just be transparent and, and I'm not saying this is what every family has to do. Uh, this is just what we've prayerfully considered, Selena and I, and what we do. I've looked at our children and I said, things like devices, Right, I will never buy you a device ever, not even for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right, you won't get a phone, you won't get an iPad, you won't get a tablet, you won't get nothing. That sounds good. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So what we said, if you want those things, then you need to ask Father for them, and He'll show you a way to get them. Right. So Sophia, how many phones have I ever bought you? None. Right. Zero. Absolutely. And instead of the kids, y'all just got me the phone and the plan. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, you paid for the phone, though. I mean, the phone was, I haven't bought a phone for that. That came included, mm-hmm. the one that was there. But, Caleb, did you buy your phone? Yeah, sure. yeah, you did, didn't you, buddy? Does it have cell service on it? Why not? You, well, you don't pay for it and you don't need it right now because you're never outside of 10 feet of somebody that's got a phone. Right? <laughs> Does that make sense? You know, so this is what we do. And Caleb, I just, how many uh, video game systems am I ever going to get you? Zero. Never. As long as I'm alive, I'll never buy you a PX nothing, Nintendo nothing, a, a Switch nothing. Right? Now, you can get one of those when you move out of my house. 
that'll be all up to you. I'd really encourage you not to, uh, but, uh, but that'll be up to you. Right? And those are just decisions we've made, right? Again, not saying that's what everybody has to do, right? But you'll have to decide. Don't provide everything because it creates hunger, right? Does that make sense? And again, now all you young people look at me and smile real big and say, thank you, Brad. Go ahead and say, say, thank you, Brad. Hey, thank you, Brad. Right. You'll, you'll be much better for it because I can also ask this. Hey, Sophia, how cool is it to have your own stuff that you got with your things, your money? It's very nice, isn't it? It's very, very cool. It, it does something inside of that that is there. It, it's very, very empowering because one day I'm going to die. And if I have put ATM over my head and they know they can come up and punch my buttons and I'll spit out stuff. What happens when the ATM is in the ground? Then they haven't learned how to go out and trust the Lord and look at their skill sets and engage the marketplace and learn how to create the stuff they need and or want on their own. And if I haven't done that for them, then I've, I've hobbled them. I've crippled them, right, for life, many times for life. Right, because they, they, they think, oh, now they'll just leave me. And unfortunately, you know, because what I've heard from some people who said, you know, then our young men leave home and they just find another young lady who's out there working and they just put ATM over her name. <laughs> right? And, and, and that is not right. Does that make sense? So I just say that. Okay, that's all free. Everybody say thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. welcome. All right. What did I tell you to go? First Samuel chapter 17. We'll get over to happy stuff and fluffy things. How does that sound? I'll tell you how awesome you are in Jesus and you can go home and feel all good about yourself. (laughs) Amen. Lord, we love you so much. So grateful to be together today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us and training us, instructing us in righteousness just as you promised. Um, help me to speak as you want and desire. Help us to learn together uh, by the teacher that is here, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. And again, we're just going to see if we'll land the plane on this. Still talking about becoming giant hunters, right? Becoming giant hunters. We've heard many times in the church world about being a giant killer, Right, and and I like it. I'm not against that idea. I I, I love the concept that we're going to kill some giants in our life, and we're going. But we didn't start there. We have to start there. there. Well, well, it's I like what Sam Kathy, who's not with us today, what he said. You know, because he's a big hunter. He's probably actually in a tree stand this morning, if I know Sam at all, uh, and stuff. He says, you know, killing something is easy with the right tool. Mm -hmm. Put the crosshairs on it, squeeze the trigger, you poke a hole in something, it dies. Right, the killing part is easy. It's learning how to hunt, right? It's learning how to hunt down that thing, right? And that's what I kind of been wanting to talk about a little bit. Hopefully it's been helpful and just to kind of a little bit to catch maybe some of you had been with us and I know the messages haven't been up because my computer just got fixed this last week. So I'm going to play catch up on the podcast and you can go back and listen to the past ones. Um, but uh, we talked about last week How that there is spiritual nutrition for you that you're only going to get when you eat your giant. When you finally hunt down and face down that giant and the Lord empowers you and helps you to kill that giant, 
There is spiritual nutrition that grows you. We kind of used an example of vitamin B12. Everybody heard about vitamin B12? You know, and they say you can only get it like in red meat or a capsule, right? You know, <laughs> right? You, that's the, the, you know, because we don't get it in fruits and vegetables. We definitely don't get it in sweets and pastries. You know, you get it from good meat, right? And those kind of things that are there. It's one of the things that, that people who choose to be vegan have to be aware of because it's can, what can make them sick, right? Because it's missing uh, in their diet. Uh, but the same thing's kind of true spiritually, that there are certain spiritual nutrients that are housed in your giant. And when you hunt down and kill your giant, not only are you answering or solving or overcoming a problem, a challenge, or an issue, you're actually strengthening yourself in the spirit. It's a little bit even if I can tag off of what Kurt said earlier when we were talking, you know what I mean? That it's those things that we overcome that make us stronger in spirit. And now please hear me. I don't think it's, it's that the Lord creates the problem and then brings it to us. I think it's just part of the, the nature of things. It's just part of the journey, right? That, that, that there are things that when you overcome challenging situations and times and moments and and, added, and sometimes those things are physical. Most of those things are internal. Yes. Most of the giants are, are either going to be spiritual themselves or a lot of them are going to be in your soul. Yeah. They're going to be ways of thinking, attitudes of the heart. Mental climate. Yeah, like we, yeah, we were talking about some things. And uh, th- does that make sense? You know, and it, we talked about it in, oh man, okay. Are you with me? So, so go, keep your finger here. We'll, we'll see if we make it back to David and Goliath. But um, go to Romans chapter 12. We talked a little bit about this on Thursday. And to come at it again, Romans chapter 12. I read from it from, uh, that's the passage I read that was from the Message Bible this morning. But here I want to read it from the New King James as well. It says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we see that A, one of the first steps in spiritual maturity is to become a living sacrifice. And what we mean by that simply is, Lord, I'm here to live for you. Does that make sense? You you came and lived for me. Now I'm here to live for you. Somewhere else, I don't remember where in one of Paul's letters he talks about that. He says, so those of us which are alive and remain, we live for him who died for us. That in where is that Holy Spirit? Go to I gotta check something, okay? So I'm kinda flying off the map just a second. Yeah, that there it is. Thank you, Lord. Go to Second Corinthians chapter five. Again, verse 14 says, The love of Christ compels us because this is how we judge. That if one died for all, then all died. 
And he died for all, notice verse 15, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Do you see that? This is how the love of God, and I love that, that, that word, that word compels there means literally, you remember the Dukes of Hazard? I watched the Dukes of Hazard when you were growing up. So Selena watched them in Spanish. It was funny, right? Los Duques de Hazard, right? I mean, and stuff. But the, remember Roscoe P. Coltrane? You remember him? And he always, he goes, cuff them and stuff them. You remember that? He'd, he'd run around and talk about cuffing them and stuffing them. That's that word compel there. The love of Christ cuffs you and stuffs you. It grabs you. It, it arrests you and compels you to move in a certain direction. Wow. It's not a passive word at all. Yeah, and, and we have a friend of ours, uh, my longest lifelong friend. Uh, we grew up together, went, went to school together since the third grade and have remained friends ever since. He lives over in Elrod, Alabama, if anybody knows where that is. Um, just, west, just west of Tuscaloosa there uh, in Elrod, Alabama. But he was talking about, and I love this because he's a good, I love him with all my heart. He started out as a United Pentecostal Holiness preacher kid. And now he's a primitive Baptist pastor. And that, that's quite a journey and, and loves, loves God and just, it's just awesome. Just love that whole family very, very much. But he was talking about that, how that he felt the, the Lord one day literally grab him and move him to a place to pray. Can I tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. You tell the story. If you so, sound like you remember details. Yeah. Well, just to, to mm-hmm. talk about what you're talking about here, because um, there was another pastor friend of his that needed prayer in that moment. And the Lord kept, he's a, Neil, Neil he's is a, a doctor. Do- my friend's a doctor. So he was doing his rounds. He was working. He was busy. It was his busiest moment in the day and all of that. So he, he kept feeling, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll pray for him in just a second. As soon as I finish with this patient, I'll go to my office. And, okay, Lord. Like he kept feeling the burden to pray for him. And he's just like, okay, I'll be right there. I've got this other person. And he says, after about 10 minutes of doing that, the Lord literally put his hand on him and pushed him into his office and would not let up until he sat, sat in the chair. He's like, pray now. So it's that kind of compel, Hell. arrest you, compel. That's exactly right. Right. But the love of Christ compels us this way. It says that if one died for all, then all have died. Now that's not talking about universalism, meaning that everyone's saved. It just means that Jesus died for the world. And we understand that. But it says, and he died for all, that those that live should no longer live for themselves. You understand that the love of God for you will compel you that way. Can I say that one more time? That the love of God for you will compel you to not live for yourself. Can I get a rousing amen? That's really good. If you can't say amen, as the preacher says, just say, oh, me. Right? <laughs> right? Amen. But the love of Christ will compel us that I'm not here to live for me. I'm not here to live for myself. I'm not here to live for my life. Right? I'm here to live for eternity. Again, not to get too far. You hear me say this often and not to get too far off track, but do you understand that, that we are playing for points, mm-hmm. right? 
We, we are playing for eternity in mind. Right? That as we live here, we are living for him, but we're living for eternity. And that what we do here does not just affect here, it affects eternity. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's it. Yeah, that's right. We're not talking about working to get to heaven. That's exactly right, Kurt. For where we're going. That's exactly right. Huh? We're laying up, you know, the good old Bible phrases would be laying up treasure. And have, many of us don't understand that because we just think pirates, right? When you think treasure, right? And, and you think, I'm a scurvy dog and I'm laying up treasure, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, but it's no, no, what we're, we're, we're laying up heaven. Right? We are expanding the will of God. We are changing the fabric of eternity. Amen. Amen. So again, like you said, Kurt, when I'm talking, I'm not talking about you gotta, you're working your way into heaven. I'm not talking about you're, you're working to get pleasure from God mm-hmm. or for him to like you better right. or to him to, to love you more. Right. But yet I am playing for points. Does that make sense? Okay, again, can I, and I know this is, I've said this before, I'll, I'll say it again. Do you understand that our Heavenly Father is a capitalist? He's not a socialist, right? He wants a return on his investment. Does that mean, he, he wants a return on the salvation that he deposited on the inside of us. He wants to see that salvation both grow and abound in us, but grow and abound in others. Grow and abound in our world, in our community. Right? The, the, well, on, on the same page for that. And, and the love of Christ, we talk about, again, we sang it, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love. And I, please don't hear, I'm not making fun of the song. I like the song, and I, I love singing that song. But, but you understand that, that the other part of that song is, is, okay, then I will go forth in the compelling nature of that love and not live for me. I'll live for you. I'll live for heaven. I'll live for eternity that is surely coming and is closer every day. Amen. 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 Does that, and that's why it's important that we hunt down our giants. We, we said again last week, you know, many times the problem with our giants is, is we've made allies of them. We've turned them into a friend. Mm-hmm. Right? Hello. Yeah. Amen. A pet. A pet. <laughs> Amen. A comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Right? We entertain. we entertain them. Right? Well, we think we need them. We've always had them around. They've always been there, right? We've, we've lived, if you will, in the comfort of their shadow, right? They've offered us wonderful excuses of why we can't live for him. Oh, I just don't have the money. Oh, I just don't have the time, right? Oh, I just don't have the ability. And that's right. Well, no, it's all that, yeah. Yeah. We we see something and we identify that as a giant, and that's not really the giant. That's just an effect of the giant. 
that's just something that's coming from the real giant, like somebody who, who may be dealing with some kind of anger issue. Well, like your anger is not really your giant. The giant is probably the rejection or something that's happened to you in your life that is, that is causing that. Anger. Sure. That might be very well be. Well, that's why we have to go on the hunt, right? That's why we prayed at the end of, of last week when we gathered together. Lord, show me the giants that I have made my friends. Right? Many of those are the giants of our soul. Right? They're the, they're the giants of our thinking. Right? We kind of were talking a little bit about it, you know, with kind of the, 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 the volunteers that are here, our core group that's this morning, you know, and, and not to get off because I know y'all know me. I'm not a preacher that's after money, right? Y'all understand that? But money does, it's easy to talk about because we all got some. Yeah. <laughs> it may not be as much as you want. But you got some, right? And, and so it, it does connect us all together. So please don't hear this as a pitch for money or anything like that. Um, but it, the giant for many people when it comes to their finances, they think it's their job. Like you were saying, well, it's this, that no good job of mine. Or that no good greedy boss. Or that, that big old ugly greedy government. Right. Or the, you know, I, my brother always says this, you know, and I'll pick on him, you know, the, the evil bill collectors. Right. You know, those evil bill collectors that are out there wanting their money. Right. And it's they're just greedy and evil and blah, 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 blah. Does, does that make sense? Well, no, the real giant many times is our thinking. It's your thinking about money itself. Right. It's your thinking. Can I say this? It's your thinking about work itself. How many of you grew up like me and, and work was used as a four letter word? <laughs> right. Your, your family talked about work like they swore. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Am I, am I, my, am I by myself here? No. And, and, and you grew up with a bit of a disdain for work. Right. It was this necessary evil. Right? Does that make sense? You have to understand that Scripture, I had to learn that. Scripture teaches us to love work. Well, if you want to eat, it does. That doesn't mean, you know, it says, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. I mean, we're coming up on Thanksgiving here in just about a month. And, and we don't realize that one verse in Thessalonians saved the United States of America. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that or not. Because see, when the Pilgrim Fathers came forward, they, they wanted to practice socialism. So they had a common field and common land, and everyone worked the common field and received a portion of the, of the crop that was harvested off. Right? Except, just like has happened from human history, when anyone tries with the great idea of socialism to put it in place, there were some people who looked up and said, well, hey... You know, Carl's over there working, and he's doing a great job. I think I'll just sit back here a little bit today and take, take some time off, and I'm still going to get the same sack of flour or wheat or corn or whatever it was, right? And, and for the first three years, they almost starved to death. Yep, strong, strong, yep, weak men make hard times, all the with what Kurt was saying. So... Governor William Bradford was reading through and he went to 1 Thessalonians at the end in chapter 5 when Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, sorry, Thessalonica, he says, uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. 
So Governor Bradford comes out and says, this is what we're going to do. Everybody gets X, Y, Z amount of land. You know, I forgot what it was, an acre or two. Everybody, we're going to divide up what was once common and give everybody a plot. That's your plot. You're responsible for your food. Good luck. <laughs> right? And the very next harvest, it tripled. Their yield tripled the very next year because everyone was then empowered to learn to love to work. Right? And that was the foundation of our country, but that was scriptural. The Bible teaches us to work, not just so we can eat, as Miss Eloise says, but Ecclesiastes about six times, he says, love your work. Rejoice, I love it, it goes, rejoice in your labor under the sun all the days of your lives mm -hmm. because it is your gift from God. It is your inheritance straight from his hand. So, but I, that's what I'm saying. You know, some people's giant when it comes to finances is, is they hate their job. And until they kill the giant of hating their work, they'll stay poor the rest of their life. No matter what job they go to. Because their disdain of work will cripple them. It'll be the fee fi fo fum. Does, it, does that, is that a bit of an example? Does that make sense? So for many of us, it's that thinking about stuff. It's the thinking about, but, but we have to go on the hunt and say, Lord, show me my giant. How do I know what my giant looks like? Anything that comes against the finished work of Jesus Christ is a giant. Anything that, and we looked at, and we'll pick up here and, and with our time that remains, and I'll see what, where we can unpack. So go back to 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 17, right? Because that was Goliath, right? The famous David and Goliath story. Goliath was a champion against the promise of God. He was a champion against the covenant relationship of Israel. Remember that. And he would get up, and we read it a little bit last week. We'll look at it again today. He would get up twice a day for 40 days, and he would defy the armies of the living God. He was basically defying God. Anything that defies the finished work of Jesus, be it a thought, an attitude, Right, a person, an organization, anything that defies the finished work of Christ is a giant in your life. Sickness, sickness could, is a big giant for people. So sickness defies, right? Think of it as, well, as what Goliath said, right? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Right? You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not experienced enough. You're not this enough. Anything that defies the finished work. Guilt and shame, for many people, are their giant. Right? Fear, many people's giant. Does this help and make sense? Go on a hunt for these things. Right? Declare war on the friendly giants of your soul. Right, we'll look at that. Let's pick up the story. And I got to check my time. How are we doing? Everybody doing all right? Yes. Can I preach your joke? You want to preach your joke? Can you give me five more minutes? Can I give me five more minutes? I need five more minutes. Who's going to give me five minutes? Five. Anybody else? Ten. Ten, 15, 20. Okay. 
30. So, preacher's joke. Come on, y'all all right this morning? Amen. Just look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you, right? I mean, <laughs> so 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's pick it back up around verse 15. It says, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Can we stop here real quick as we're unpacking the story? You know, many times people look at this and it can read like the David and Goliath story is when David showed up on the scene. Do you realize that this is not the first time David was in Saul's presence? If you read the chapter right before in chapter 16... It says that Saul, uh, you know, he had disobeyed God. He had uh, disobeyed what Samuel said to do. Samuel comes. What's this bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? God has torn the kingdom from you and you are no longer going to be king and then given it to someone else. You know, Saul kind of has a bit of a come apart. And then you start seeing Saul on a gradual decline from that day forward. And the very first thing was, it says that there was a, an evil spirit. There was a depressive spirit. There was an anxious spirit that came upon Saul. And they said, Oh, well, there's a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite who plays well with an instrument. So see, David had been called to the King's palace before mm -hmm. he just wasn't recognized. You understand the, the process of giant killing means you got to be happy for the season of time when nobody knows your name. Because what happens is, is many people say, well, when I get to be big and famous, right, and I get to be known, well, man, you should see the giants I'm going to kill then. You're going to see the stuff I'm going to do for God when somebody finally recognizes who I am. And, and you won't. You have to be willing to live in the time when your skill is known, but your name is not. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Does that make sense? And that's important because it's preparation time, right? It says, and the Philistine drew near and for 40 days, morning and evening, he said the things he said. Then Jesse said to his son, David, it's because David's back home, right? Take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. I love to say this. So David's grand career, you know where David's fame started? DoorDash. DoorDash. Right, that, that's where that's where David's DoorDash, sweetie, is a is a service where you call people up and they go to McDonald's for you and get your food and bring it to your house. Right, so it's like a little delivery service, kind of like Uber but for food, right, or Amazon but for food, right. And here's the thing: so David's great day started in DoorDash. Guys, listen to me. Don't despise where you're at. That's one of the things that will keep you down is if you despise where you're at, right? If you look down on what you're doing today, right? You have to start where you are today. And if that's DoorDash, man, I think David was eager beaver, ready to do it, good attitude, 
right? He wasn't like, Dad. (sighs) He might have been. I don't think so, though. And the reason why I say that, Miss Teresa, is we were talking about this. You know what happens to negative people? Nothing. 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 Nothing happens to Debbie Downers and negative Nellies. Right? Hello, are you with me? Can I say that one more time? You understand? Negative people. What happens to negative people? Nothing. What opportunities come to negative people? None. What promotions come to negative people? None. Hello, it, it all begins with our attitude. It truly does. Right? So that's why I think David was like, sure, Dad, I'll be glad to go do that for you. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think he wanted to go check everything out. Well, I'm sure he did too. I mean, he was a young man. I mean, I think we could suppose some of that kind of stuff. But I just love this, that David said yes. Mm-hmm. David was given an opportunity to DoorDash. And he said, yep. It wasn't even guaranteed a tip. It wasn't even guaranteed a tip. Right? You're going to see he, he ran into some bad customers, his own brothers. Right? Who gave him grief for his coming. Right? So he wasn't free from the woes of his day. But David had a yes attitude. I love Brother Hagin used to tell us all the time as young preachers. He would say this. He would say, always say yes as often as you can. Because nothing happens to people who say no. Nothing. People who say no, nothing happens for people who say. Have you ever noticed that? I'm sure you've heard that principle before. If they say, if you want to get something done, who do you give it to? The busiest person. The busiest person you can find. Right? Why, why do you give it to the busiest person you can find? Because they're doing something. Right? If you look around and see somebody and they ain't doing nothing, please don't give them the thing you want them to do. Because they ain't doing nothing. What do you think they're going to do with your thing? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because they ain't doing nothing. They're real good at doing nothing. So you give them something to do and something is new. They ain't used to something. Come on, don't shout me. Y'all looking all right? Young people here? Young people, let this be an attitude now. You need to say yes to everything you possibly can. You never, you never say no. And, and, and they're wealthier for it. That's right. She never says no. Amen. Does that make sense? I mean, Brother Hagin, again, this will translate. I mean, he talked to us, as, again, as young ministers. And he would say to us, he goes, how many of you? And I remember, remember they'd come in. How many of you guys are called to preach? And, of course, you know, we're at Bible college. Yeah. You know, everybody's raising their hand and all excited. Yeah, we're called to preach. He says, Awesome. Then when you look at your calendar and somebody calls you to preach and there's nothing on the calendar, what should you say? Yes. Don't say I'll pray about it. He says, you best say yes because you said you were called to preach. He says, you better not say let me pray about it. He says, if you can look at your calendar and there ain't nothing there, there's your opportunity to say yes. He says, now if you look at your calendar and you got two options... You still say yes, but you go to the Lord and say, which one do you want me to say yes to? 
Does that make sense? Because you now have options to pray about. But the answer is still yes. You're just wondering which one do you say yes to? Hello, do you, are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Because remember... Work. Can I say something? Yeah, please do. Yeah. So that, this is my wife. By those that don't know this lady, this is I my wife. Jump up here she always her. jumps up here. It's always good. Um, you know, when, when I got to Bible school, I was coming from Guatemala, and my stepdad was a graduate from that Bible school. And so he was telling me, you know what, when you go, they really appreciate volunteers. A lot of things, good mm-hmm. things, come to those that volunteer. And I know you're here, and I know you have a part-time job, and it's full-time school. But if you ever, if they ever need anything, you just say yes. Don't ask if you like it. Don't ask if you, you know, want to do this for the rest of your life. You just say yes, because a lot of good things happen. Well, the cool thing is, like, I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. And I had kind of been taught that way all along anyway. So all of a sudden they asked, hey, you know, for those of you that came early because school starts next week, we need help stuffing all the books into bags, individual bags for each student. Well, we're talking 1,200 packages of books, right? And I'm like, oh, they asked for a volunteer. Yes. And so then because we did that, they were also trying to train us. But because I did that. We got to get all our books first. We didn't have to stand in line. We didn't have to stay there for two hours while everybody else got their stuff. We literally were able to take our stuff and not come the other day until like two hours later, which was like, oh, that was nice. So even there, they were teaching us to do that. Guys, I've probably done it all when it comes to ministry, and I wasn't called to any of it. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. So that translates into jobs for you guys, That's uh, for, right. especially all our young people here. So, for example, I worked with children. I worked with children of all ages. I was actually employed by the sec- I was by the um, department of children's, you know, and everything. So, I did arts and crafts. It's not me, but I had to do them in order to get the things ready for them. And I was there with fifth graders. That's not me either. I'm not, I'm not a kid person. I have my own. I love my own. I'm not a kid kind of teacher person. And yet, I volunteered in kids for probably three years. And then we volunteered and did pastoring for youth. And then we volunteered and, like, all the things. All the things. I'm called to that one. That one I've done ever since I was a kid. But everything else, and I've done it all, that wasn't my calling, but it made... It made other doors of opportunities yes, open. Absolutely. It prepared me in different ways that I would have never. I would have been a diva if all I ever did was that, and that's not okay because then your character doesn't keep you there, and then that would have been a major failure, mm-hmm. right? So when it transfers over to work, it's, this. it's the same thing. Well, I don't like this job. Well, who cares? You're not going to do it forever. Just get the skills and the lessons and the the things that you need to garner from that, and then. And then the when next, you yes. have that, another door will open and you will be ready, so ready that you'll recognize the door. Yeah, that's right. Without what you had learned, you'll never even recognize that that's a door of opportunity. That's right. But the moment you've been doing all this other stuff over here and you see this door open, you're like, oh, there's a door. I'm going to step through it because now you're, you're equipped to yes. step through it. That's right. Until then, you're not equipped, so you won't even see it, and all these opportunities will just fly by you, Yes. and you'll be like, nothing ever good happens to me, right? <laughs> but it's not that nothing ever good happens to you. You still haven't learned the lessons and the skill set yeah. 
that you needed when you're right here. Yeah. So, so it's not just, you know, our experiences in ministry, but yeah. that goes for any job. Absolutely. Well, and you can translate that over. Well, here's the thing, right? We all know this verse. All the promises of God are. Yes. And amen. Yes. And amen. So be it. Right. So do you understand then that means, you know, God says we go from glory to glory, or we can say it like this. Yes to yes. yes. Do you see that? If all the promises, because it's the promises of God that are leading us into his glory. So if all of his promises are yes and amen, then going from glory to glory means you learn how to go from yes, Lord, to yes, Lord, to yes, Lord, to yes, Lord. Come on, y'all. Yes. <laughs> and you learn how to, to say yes, and, the, and your yeses move you forward. Your no's keep you stuck. Mm-hmm. Are y'all all right this way? There we go. Some of y'all like, I don't like that, John. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. We love our work. Are you with me? Can I just say this again as we talk about you understand uh, from a practical point, teaching our young people again, that um, if we can teach our young people to take enjoyment from their work, they'll always be entertained. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, their entertainment in life is tied to their paycheck. And their only level of joy will come from the amount of money they can make. But if you learn to enjoy your life, mm-hmm. where you are, what you're doing, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Y'all, yes, ma'am. Miss Teresa, yes. You know, this is kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, too. When I was growing up, I don't remember my family uh, using work as a boy that worked. They didn't. Yeah. Because we struggled and uh, we ate. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that I gotta work, I gotta work. Yeah, work, work. Yeah. And just, you know, until I'm gonna kill myself. You know, but it, I, it was some kind of joy I got. Yeah. But I think uh, it's not that. I, mean, I don't understand the difference. It's just, I guess, the way. But I love it. Yeah. You know. Well, again, many of our jobs. Poverty was a mentality. Yes. On me, in a way, I started. Yes, absolutely. The fear of poverty yes. has driven me. Yes, yes. And I can find joy in anything. anything. Well, and here's the thing, if I could any just... Work. Yeah, any work. Well, and here's the thing, Mr. Rich. I'm getting that cash. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, that's true. Well, here's the thing. So let's... T- well, we're here now. Let's just, let's just launch the ship and go that way, and then we'll come back to David next week maybe. And so when you look at this... Well, when you look at this giant, again, of this attitude about work, um, help me with this or it's, let me back up. Do you understand a lot of things are perspective? So you balance overwork with another word we don't like a lot called contentment, mm-hmm. right? Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
right? And so, uh, cont- but here's a good definition. I think we talked about this the other day. Contentment is this. Contentment is realizing I already have everything I need to be happy. Yes. Right? You also have to realize that in the United States of America, what we call poverty is not poverty. No. Right? Again, uh, the, the poverty line in the United States of America roughly runs around $22,000 a year. Anywhere south of $22,000 a year in the United States, you're considered poor. Right? So do you realize that that is still in the top 7% of wealth in the world? So our poorest people are some of the world's wealthiest people. Do you understand that if you make $16,000 a year, which is well south of our poverty line, you are still in the top 10% of wealthy people in the world. Do you realize that about 80-something percent of the global population of 7 billion people live on less than $2 a day? It's what they earn. Less than $2 a day. If you want some fun, good family thing, if it's still on Netflix, I think, or wherever we watched it, uh, it's called The Dollar a Day, might be on YouTube, The Dollar a Day Project. And it was a group of four college students from the East Coast who went to Guatemala, not far from where Selena's hometown is. And there in Guatemala, the national average is the average person lives on less than a dollar a day. So they did a 30-day economic experiment for their thesis in college to see what it was like to live on less than a dollar a day. And it's a quite an interesting little 30-minute documentary about these young people. Now you understand why people come here in waves. In waves. I love that. And not to pick on anybody. I mean, I feel like I'm mostly Latin because I married into the Latin culture. So I don't feel like I'm speaking against my own. But I have noticed that there's not a whole lot of people jumping the fence going south. (laughs) As much as there are people jumping the fence going north. And the reason why they're doing that is, is we live in a very prosperous place. We, we live in the land of milk and honey. We live in the land of opportunity. So young people that grew up here, right, that's going to, you, you don't see it. One of your giants is going to have to be, you have to realize you live in a place that everybody else is trying to get to. You live in a place where, again, we were talking about one of my, my business friends. Her name is Samta Shah. She's an East Indian lady. Her and her husband came from India to Alabama when they landed in Birmingham. She had $20 in her pocket. Sold everything they could get just to get that far. Landed here with 20 bucks. Now she runs uh, uh, Copri Promotions out of Hoover, a very, very successful printing business, and she's on the city council of Hoover. Started with 20 bucks. Isn't that awesome? But that's all about perspective. So how do we we balance? Because I'm not talking about being a workaholic. So please hear that real clear. I'm not talking about workaholicism or working yourself to death, right? But, here, but here's the thing. But I have found that as I have allowed the Lord to help me to learn to love to work, I work a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like a lot. Not when you're doing it. No. 
Does that make sense? Y'all hear me say, you know, from a natural perspective, one of my most least favorite things to do on planet Earth is cut grass. That's why God gave me a Caleb. Amen. That's right. And so, and so, but I also realized real quick, you know what? Things like cutting the grass, you got to do it anyway. So I can do it mad or I can do it glad. And I've learned through the grace of the Lord in my own stupidity that glad's better. Man, I got a new, hey, and here's, but here's the thing. Yes, yeah, and then people bless us with riding lawnmowers. We got blessed with a riding lawnmower. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Now we got everybody fighting to cut the grass. That's awesome. Yeah. Amen. And you can get the right tool. This is man. But enjoy, and enjoy your work. Yes. Enjoy. Ask the Lord to help you to learn to love work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. And to keep it in the and to keep it in the right place because mm-hmm. we are not to take our identity from our no, work. No, no, we're not talking about we're that. We're not to take our significance from our work, Mm-mm. and we don't rely on our work to provide for us. Yeah, work is a gift from God. Yeah, God provides for us. He blesses whatever we put our hand to. But if we start getting mm. off on the other side, where we're now taking identity from what we do or don't do, and um. The fact, you know, th- then it gets off balance. Yes. Again. And that's why sometimes we become workaholics. Because yes. I, I, have, I have a very close friend that's a workaholic. And it's because she's constantly trying to prove herself. Yes. It's not about the work. It's she wants the most challenging situation she can possibly land just so she can prove that she can fix it. Well, that's, that's eating her up. She's going to have to shift that. Yeah. You don't have your identity from your work or what you can and can't do. Yeah. We have nothing more to prove. Yeah. God already did it all through Jesus. There is yeah. nothing left to prove for us. That's and right. I mean, I'm preaching to myself here. <laughs> and so I'm a very performance-oriented person. Like, yeah. get her done, let's go driven, right? But, but we need to, yes, we're, so work is a blessing because it's a gift from God. Not because that's where we draw our identity from. That's right. Not because if we don't, you know, if, if we don't do it a certain way and it wasn't perfect, it's not going to be, it's not going to be whatever. No. no. And then, and I love what you always say that at the end of the day, you know, the Lord, the Lord continues to increase us while we sleep. And yeah. I know you know all the verses, but there, that he continues to mm-hmm. prosper us and bless mm-hmm. us and increase us while we rest. So sometimes like I'm trying to meet a deadline with my own business and trying to meet a certain deadline and I've done all I can. I've sown all the seeds I needed mm-hmm. to sow. And at, one, at some point you have to say, and that's enough. And I'm now going to hang that hat up and I'm going to say that's enough. And I'm going to mm-hmm. go rest because that's not what actually provides for me. Yeah. God is the one who provides for me. And he's working on yeah. things while I work, while I rest. Yeah. So now I get to literally unplug and rest. Yeah. And for our person, my personality type, type A, let's go, let's go. That has taken some, and I still have to have reminders. Okay, have you worked on it? Okay, then that's enough. You know what? Yeah. That's yeah, enough. that was enough. Enough yeah. for the day. Here, Here we, we go. go tomorrow. So. Well, let's read. You mentioned that verse, and then we'll go to Ecclesiastes and read some other verses, and then we'll pray and have a great week. Does that sound good? Yeah. So, 
This has been helpful today at all. Again, I know it's not necessarily been a stem winder or nothing like that, but it's, uh, uh, but it's not what we come. But here, uh, Psalms 127. We probably all know this. Read verse 1 down to about verse 2. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now verse 2 is the one Selena quoted just a minute ago. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. Right? For he gives his beloved sleep. Now the actual Hebrew translation says it like this. Because he provides for you even while you are sleeping. So see, the Lord takes care of you even when you're asleep. So when we talk about loving work and we talk about even providing, we're not talking about you have to take care of you. God takes care of you. But the difference in this verse is that phrase, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. He's not talking about, woohoo, we get to sleep in, baby, yeah, right? Or we get to just, no, because <laughs> there's plenty of other scriptures that say, no, it's our blessing to get up with the sun, right? To go with this kind of stuff. So he's, he's talking about it's vain for you to get up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. How many of you, again, and y'all know I'm, I, I swear every now and then. I only do it because it fits, okay? So please understand. But how many of you, you know, you say, well, that's my damn job. Right? Is that, that's the bread of sorrows. If you see your work as that job, got to go to work. Rock, 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 rock. Right? Then you just served yourself a big old slice of the bread of sorrows. And yeah, you'll get up early and you'll sit up late and you're trying to work out the bread of sorrows. And the bread of sorrows is that. Right? And, and you wonder why it's not successful. Surprise! <laughs> Does that make sense? You wonder why it doesn't work. You wonder why you don't get a promotion. You wonder why you don't get the proverbial raise. You wonder why you don't get other opportunities. Because you're real happy with your bread of sorrows. Until you're able. So now, does that make sense? Yes. But the Lord will take care of you even while you're asleep. So the providing part is on the Lord's. He will provide for you. Your and my part is on the attitude. Your and my part is on how do we, again, so I guess how do we kill this giant of work? Is I have to say, come to the Lord and say, Lord, I will change my attitude. Remember, we talked about that some on Thursday night for those that are here. I will bring every thought into obedience of Christ. Even my thought about work. We talked about it. Have you ever wondered why uh, Jesus had to wear a crown of thorns? Have you ever wondered why they put thorns on Jesus' head to represent? Do you know that wasn't just symbolic, but that was redemptive? So when Adam and Eve fell, their sin caused what to begin to grow in the earth? Thorns. 
So Adam's sin, see, Adam worked before. So Adam had a job before he had a wife and before he had a problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. We all, we all, we all, I know y'all heard that before. Well, the man had a job before he had a wife. Yeah, he also had a job before he had a problem. Right. And so, and so when Adam created his problem, the ground, it says in the Hebrew language, the ground began to fight back with Adam. Before that, he was still doing the same job. He was still plowing, planting, tending. It's just that the ground wasn't fighting him. So when Adam sinned, he went back. It's not like he got a new job. And now that job is a problem. He went back to the same job. It's just that job started fighting him. It started to produce thorns. It started to produce thistles. It started to, to do things because of sin. Well, Jesus was crowned with thorns to buy back your work. Amen. Can I say that one more time? Jesus was crowned with thorns to buy back your work. To redeem your work situation. So that now, because you are under his authority, your ground, whatever that ground is, doesn't have to fight with you. Your ground has been redeemed. Your ground will produce because he wore the thorns of your ground. Does that make sense? That's why even if it is a dead-end job, even if it is a demeaning job, and again, please forget, even if it is your damn job, as some might say, you can look at it and go, but that's redeemed. Hello? He bought that back. The crown of thorns he wore bought that, mm -hmm. redeemed that. Mm -hmm. yes. And so my portion of this is blessed mm -hmm. because he wore my crown of thorns over my work. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Yes, yes, yes. And that'll change your attitude about work. Guys, listen to me. I, I had to, we, we were coming out of, when we moved back to Alabama from Canada, some of you know our story. I had only known our whole adult life. I went to Rama. I was 22-ish years old. You know, I had some jobs, worked at Walmart and busted tires and worked over at a nursery and all this kind of stuff. And then got hired on and began to work in, if you will, church ministry. And from about 24, 25 till seven years ago and I'm 48 now so you can do the math on that one mm -hmm. right is 20 something years I just did church work mm -hmm. got paid from doing church stuff in some degree well when we kind of did a reverse step of faith and came back to Alabama I did not have right I did not have a promised even here now you understand the church here doesn't pay me <laughs> does that make sense now can I be real clear there's been some wonderful awesome kind loving people who give me Pentecostal handshakes. And I'm grateful for all that have done. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? It's a handshake with money in it, right? People will shake my hand from time to time and there'll be money in it. Or people will put in stuff and they'll say, hey, Brad, privately, I, I, I just wanted to bless you and Selena and all this kind of stuff. So please hear me. I'm grateful for that, but I don't draw a salary here from the church, right? I work. And when I first came off, I was like, well, God, uh, you know, I kind of gave up the college thing. I didn't go to school to... I'm, I'm kind of getting out of my career and, you know, and I got a wife and all these kids and, and this is how my journey started. Hello. 
Because God was saying, you got to step away from what you've always known and always done. And he brought us into a new place. And so I had to sit there and say, well, how do I take care of people? And I'm, what I'm about to share with you is the, in the next few minutes is what he shared with me. And this is my promise from scripture that I can guarantee to you. You'll never, ever, ever have a problem with a shortage of work as a believer in Jesus Christ. You never have to worry about it. You never have to be concerned about it because he will give you work always. The only way you can short circuit that is, is if you adopt the attitude that's growing in our culture of, I will not work. (laughs) Now you cross over and go, I will not work. And you're going to have some problems that the world has because you disengaged with God's design, right? Because I does that make sense? That's why people look and I had to learn. We, you know, many of y'all know we do a handyman business and we do other stuff and you get in there and I've learned because there's been times and now it's like, I never not have work. We never not have work ever. We, we will never not, not have work. We will always have work. I will probably always have more work than I can possibly do on my own little self because now I'm so convinced how awesome work is that God wants to send you other people to give work to. (laughs) If they're willing to take it. Now that's, that's, that's been my big issue these days is to to run around and go, there ain't no such thing as a shortage of work. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but anyway, here you go. Ecclesiastes, and we'll land the plane. And I'm just going to read these through. If you want to mark them down, you can read them when you get done. I'm just going to speed through them, right? But here's God's word on work from Ecclesiastes. That's not the only place it exists, but it is the most concentrated I have found. And this is what I had to renew my mind about. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. Nothing is better. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy the good of his work. That his soul should enjoy the good of his work. This also I saw was from the hand of God. So where does your joy for work come from? The hand of God. Amen. Jump over to the next chapter, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Because it is the gift of God. So I want you to say this, right? I want you to hold in mind your job, whatever your job is. And say, Lord, thank you for your gift of my job. Amen. And if you're young people here and it's not money, you got a job. It's called school. You got a job. It's called whatever chores your parents have assigned you to do. If you're here and you've retired, all right, you still got work because you're doing something. I guarantee whatever that is, I want you to look at, right? I'm going to pick on Miss Eloise because she goes to the senior center. That's, that's, that's her work, right? And gardening, those that do that. Amen. Brother Lee's been down at his hunting club. Working, that's good work. Hey, hello, are you with me? So please don't just limit that to, I want you to right now say, Lord, thank you for my work. It is a gift from you. Uh, some of y'all, that's, uh, does that taste like gravel? Y'all look, some of y'all look like y'all eating persimmons. Amen. 
I promise you change, you change this kind of stuff and it'll be a whole new day tomorrow. Yes. Amen. 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 Same, same chapter three, verse 22. So I perceived that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own work for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Love that. That's your heritage. Your work today is your heritage. Jump over to chapter 5, verse 18. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his work in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. Hallelujah. Can I just pop somebody's bubble? Y'all understand that retirement shows up nowhere in the Bible. The concept of one day I'm going to not work never appears. Amen. Because God says right here, all of our days under the sun, this is his gift. We just get better with age. For as every man to whom God has given riches and wealth <clears throat> and given him the power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Everybody say hallelujah. Say thank God for my job. Thank God for my work. Amen. It's a heritage from God. I'm losing something. Okay. Well, just let's plow ahead. Just one more and I'll pray and I'll go home. Amen. Chapter 9, verse 9, live joyfully, I love this one, live joyfully, men, with the wife from whom you have loved all the days of your vain life. <laughs> I love that. I love you, baby. Love you, dear. Which he has given you under the sun all the days of your vanity, for this is your portion in life and in the labor in which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. There is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you were going. <laughs> I love that. That just means like this. You, you got to do it now. Now's the time. If you're going to go do something now. If you're going to go work at something now. Because in. Huh? You can. That's Miss Eloise. I know she is. And that's why. And how old are you Miss Eloise? Can I ask again? 73. And that's why I want to be like you when I grow up at 73. Because you're vibrant yeah. and you're alive and you're feisty, right? And you can hurry up before you die. You have to hurry up before you die. That's right. Hey, I agree. Because you ain't going to do nothing once you're dead. Yeah. Come on now. Y'all look at me. Yes, I love that. You know that, can I just say this again? And we'll, this is the prayer. Do you know that there are, there are works of God on the inside of you that you're only going to benefit here? Yeah. You have to do them here. Yeah. You won't do them in heaven. Yeah. Right? They have to be done today, now, mm -hmm. in this life, in this season. Does, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Again, for me, I, I know a big portion of what that is, is what I'm doing right here this morning. Mm -hmm. Pastoring, teaching, leading people, meeting. You know, I won't do this in heaven. Right. Come on, do y'all understand that? Yeah. I, I won't be doing this in heaven. I don't know what I'll be doing. I know it'll be awesome, but we won't be doing what I'm doing here today there. Yeah. So you've got to do it here. Yes. Yeah. Do you understand? Yes, there are things, 
They're, the things of God, y'all have heard me say this before, the things of God, that he, they're like a gallon of milk. They have an expiration date printed on them. It's called Jesus's return, right? You got to drink them and enjoy them and live them and do them today because when he gets back, that will pass away. That will be fulfilled. That will be done. So the things he's given you to do, books he's given you to write, churches he's given you to start, ministries he's given you to do, businesses he's given you to do, things he's given you to you have to do them here. Because you won't do them there. Right? You have to do them here. And, and, it can, and they will be work. Okay. Hello? Do you, do you, okay. I promise. Do you, do, you, do you understand? Most of the things that God is going to ask you to do, you realize that they will not bless you financially. They work meant to. Sorry to pop our word of faith bubble. They were meant to bless people eternally. Their reward is higher. There might be a bit of monetary stuff that comes off of it. Maybe. Yeah. But it, you, you didn't do it for that. Amen. Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Hello, do you understand? I pre, do you, again, I preach messages every day to somebody, don't I? Every day that I wake up, God sends me somebody and I t- bye Davis says, I'm sorry, love you guys. Bless y'all. I know I've gone long. Bless y'all. Because I mean, there are people that God sends to me every day and I teach them the word of God just like I teach you and I don't get nothing for it in this life. Mm-hmm. But it's very rewarding. Oh, it is. I'm not saying it's not rewarding. I'll, I do it for free because I want to do it for free. Does that make sense? So I say that to say there's many things that you'll do for God that you'll still work your job and you'll do the things of the kingdom altogether. Because I've run into too many people that say, well, I'll go into doing the things of God when it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Then you'll do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. When it starts producing money, then I'll do it. No, then you won't do it. Yeah. Can I speak to my musicians? Well, when that, money's, when that song starts making money, then I'll sing it. And I know you won't. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll write it. Can I just be, is, I know that's, that's a little bold and brash. Is that all right? But we do it anyway because yeah. that's our labor under the sun. Yeah. And, it's really, and, and, and your day job that produces money is there so you can live many times the other stuff that's there that produces for eternity. Hello, does that make sense? Amen. Hello. Do you realize that most pastors, and I I come back to pastors because I am one, so I I can't talk about other folks, but you realize that most pastors across America are bivocational. They work another job for the privilege of pastoring their people. Yeah. And, and all the ones I know that do that, they love it. Yeah. I, 
again, I think many times what we do is we see the anomalies of the super dupers, the, the, the big name preachers, right? And everybody goes, well, when I can be like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and my, and I've got all this, that may not be ever what happens to you. You may never be a Kenneth Copeland, a Beth Moore, who else? A John Maxwell. Uh, I mean, we could go down the list, right? A Joyce Meyer. We, you may never be any of those people. Well, they all started on the bottom, but they, they, you may not ever rise to that status. Do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Does that, yes? What a lot of people don't know about these super dupers is that, okay, you got the ministry taken away in time from your family, and you have other things, and then they still got things that's burning on their side of them, so they go write a book or whatever, you know, and that book sales all across the Sure, America. absolutely. That's their income, not their church. Absolutely. And so you have some ministers, some pastors that got mega churches, don't even take a paycheck. Yeah. But it's just from what, what sure. their books and stuff. Absolutely. No, so, and I know a number of those, and here's the other and side. people don't know that, but they'll get on YouTube and see all of this stuff and got this negative conversation. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Cedric, here's the thing, and I know a ton of pastors, because I've read their books, that they've written a book and nobody knows about their book. Yeah. yeah. But their book has changed people's lives. Mm-hmm. Write the book anyway. Yeah. Whether the book makes you money or not, write the book. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Yes. But learn to love your work. Learn to love, again, and, and uh, that's for many of us, if I can say that, that I've seen, and we've talked, that's their giant. Their giant is a disdain of work. Their giant is their attitude about work. Right? And and we have to kill it. How do we kill it? Just like we did here today. You go to the word of God. You bring our thoughts subjective to the word of God. You begin to declare things. And we'll get into that if we can next week. Like David did to the... David talked to Goliath before he killed him. Right? Some of you are going to have to talk to your job. You're going to have to say things not like, I want a different one. You're going to have to say, oh, you know, I mean, you know, some of you have to stand up and have to say things like this. I love my job. Some of you tomorrow, I'm going to say that you're getting up and you're driving in. You're going to go, man, I love this job. This job is awesome. Thank you, Father, for this job. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me this opportunity. Man, God, you brought me here to this place and have kept me. Thank you so much, Father. I appreciate this job. This job is a blessing from you. This job is so good. This job has been so good to me. This job, and hello. And that'll kill a, that'll kill a good giant. That's a whole bag full of good old David rocks. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord, we love you so much. So grateful. Thank you again for these wonderful, lovely people who, um, who sit and listen to me. Man, never take that for granted. Thank you for what you're saying to us. Lord, help us to see our work as a gift from you. Help us to receive it as an inheritance from your hand, a blessing from you, no matter what it is. Lord, help us to say yes to the kingdom jobs you put inside of us. Lord, yes, yes, yes to the books, to the songs, to the, to the sermons, to the ministries. Uh, Lord, to the, to the nonprofit organizations, to the ideas that will bless many. Thank you, Lord. We say yes to those. Even though we know that they'll cause sleepless nights, they'll cause us to have to stay up 
and push past being tired to accomplish them. We thank you for them. Help us to grow in our strength of heart. Lord, that I not be a weak need, as Kurt said, I not be a weak, I don't want to be a weak man, Father. Because strong men create easy times. Lord, help me get stronger. Lord, stronger in my character, stronger in my endurance of soul and body, stronger, Lord God, to do the things you put on the inside of me. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.